as we continue worshiping this morning, we invite you to turn in your Bible or Bible apps to the words of the prophet Jeremiah, the 20th chapter, beginning in the seventh verse. Let us receive the word of God. O Lord, you have enticed me, and I was enticed. You have overpowered me, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I must cry out. I must shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, then within me, there is something like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I am weary with holding it in and I cannot. For I hear many whispering, terror is all around. Denounce him, let us denounce him. All my close friends are watching for me to stumble. Perhaps he can be enticed and we can prevail against him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a dread warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and they will not prevail. They will be greatly shamed for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of hosts, you test the righteous. You see the heart and the mind. Let me see your retribution upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the needy from the hands of the evildoers. Cursed be the day on which I was born, the day when my mother bore me, let it not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father, saying, A child is born to you, a son, making him very glad. Let that man be like the cities that the Lord overthrew without pity. Let him hear a cry in the morning and an alarm at noon, because he did not kill me in the womb. So my mother would have been my grave and her womb forever great. Why did I come forth from the womb to see toil and sorrow and spend my days in shame? Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Open your word, God, and let us receive it. Help us to know your presence. I pray in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. If you were to flip through the pages of the Bible that I was given by my church when I was in the third grade, you would see that I spent some time as a child marking passages I thought were especially important. Some I remember in particular without having that Bible in front of me are from Proverbs. The topic often was anger and how important it is to speak pleasant words, if you speak at all. For example, Proverbs 29.11 says, a fool gives full vent to anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. 
I was determined as a child to try to be patient and wise and to speak pleasant words, kind words, gentle words. What was I, eight, nine, ten? Since those early days of my life with God, I've come to understand that holding back quietly isn't always the way of wisdom. There is a time to keep silence and a time to speak. The wisdom of Ecclesiastes will reminds us of that. There is a time for anger and a time for peace. Last week, we began to explore the spiritual practice of lament, and we're reminded that we are not limited to only pleasant words when we speak to God. We are free and, in fact, encouraged to bring it all. And that includes our most raw expressions of pain, rage, and grief. The encouragement is simply to be honest, though it isn't always simple or easy to do that. Just this past week, I spent time with a beloved friend who is experiencing deep suffering right now, significant losses and challenges in his life, in addition to all the COVID stuff have left him feeling alone and deeply depressed. Through his tears, he talked about how he wears masks every day, never letting others see what he's feeling. He's always been the one to take care of things, to manage the details of life for himself and for his loved ones, to be strong and confident. He feels like a failure right now. This, I think, is an all too common experience for men in particular, perhaps, though, of course, fake it till you make it is a dangerous strategy employed by persons of any gender identity. Thank God my friend found it within himself to trust me enough to reach out and to say he needed a hand. But here's the thing. If no one teaches you or gives you resources to ask for help or really truly creates the kind of relationship that you can trust, or if no one tells you that it's even allowed, then tragedies of all kinds can and do occur. Many people literally do not have the language to give voice to their pain or know how to ask for help. This is one reason it's such a gift that the prayer and practice of lament is part of our faith tradition. When our congregations utilize the language of lament in prayers, 
when we sing words of lament in spirituals and other sacred music like what we are receiving in our worship today, and when we create the kinds of brave spaces in which people truly feel free to be honest, we collectively learn the language of pain and can practice naming the pain and suffering in our lives and the pain that we observe in the world around us. And we also learn that it's okay to bring it all to God. Last week and today, we have received words of lament from the prophet Jeremiah. In the book of Jeremiah, there are seven laments. But the book begins in chapter one, we're told that Jeremiah's calling as a prophet was upon him in the womb, in his mother's womb, that call was placed upon Jeremiah. When Jeremiah comes to be aware of this call, he protests that he is too young for the task. And in response, God promises to be with him, tells him that he doesn't need to be afraid, puts God's own words in Jeremiah's mouth and appoints him, quote, over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow. Yeah, that always goes well. <laughs> there is a reason for that saying, don't shoot the messenger. But Jeremiah sets about speaking truth to power and calling people out for their idolatry and, the, and breach of covenant with God. Persecution ensues. We heard this piece um, when we heard the text read again from the Heritage Signature Chorale piece. Just prior to what Shelley read for us today, we, we are told of that story of Pashur, a priest in charge of the temple police whose job it was to keep order in the sacred space. Pashur, in response to Jeremiah's proclamation and prophecy, had Jeremiah jailed and beaten and placed in the stocks and ridiculed. Jeremiah had some feelings and some choice words for God. In fact, the laments of Jeremiah include some of the most brutal charges against God in the entire Bible. The first of the two laments that Shelley read for us, found in verses 7 through 12, that lament accuses God using the metaphor of seduction or enticement. And the word translated in the English overpowering connotes sexual violence. When Jeremiah cries out about the violence and destruction done to him by God, there is no one to hear or to help. Jeremiah's close friends are characterized as plotting the same kind of violence against him that God has already committed. The second 
lament found in verses 14 to 18 harkens back to the words Jeremiah received at his calling. He curses his own existence. He wishes he had never drawn breath. He wishes that both he and his calling would have died in the womb. Keep in mind that Jeremiah is not here spewing hate speech against a stranger or making these claims against a known enemy or a foreign threat. This isn't Jeremiah namelessly, facelessly bullying someone through social media. This is Jeremiah crying out to the God who was with him in the womb, the God who's been with Jeremiah all along, the God with whom Jeremiah has a close, intimate relationship. And as much as some of us may have the impulse to want to remind Jeremiah of all of that, to try to talk him off the proverbial ledge. It is, in fact, important to just let Jeremiah have these feelings, to let him use all his words in his moment of deepest anguish, to turn the sharp, biting power of prophetic speech back upon the God who had given him that power. We need to let Jeremiah have it. His moment, his words, his feelings. We don't need to protect God or God's feelings. God can take care of herself. I'm reminded of what a colleague said to me once after he witnessed a particularly anxiety-ridden and brutal event in which I had taken some very direct hits in a very public way. He said to me, sometimes when my children say cruel things to me, I have to remember that they feel safe enough with me to process their feelings that way trusting my love enough to hang in there with them. It was a kind thing for him to say. I'm not sure it's what was going on, but it was kind. And what it makes me think of is it makes me think of God like that parent, a parent who takes so much and understands why the complaints and the charges and the laments are coming. God knows what a mess we've made of so many things in the world and the suffering that it causes. God knows the injustice and suffering within the human family. God knows why we cry out. And God's love is steadfast, no matter what. Even Jeremiah, in the midst of the most scathing diatribe against God, signals something that contradicts his attack. Did you notice how, like an unexpected green shoot appearing in the slightest crack in hard, cold pavement, a little 
praise chorus emerges between the laments. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for God has delivered the life of the needy from the hands of evildoers. That, as Pastor Casey highlighted, is chapter 20, verse 13. Even in the midst of the deepest suffering and lament after accusing God of the worst kind of abuse, Jeremiah praises God as deliverer. Here, all is held, this, this praise, in one little verse, verse 13. That smallest thread connecting Jeremiah to something beyond the pain, to someone beyond the suffering. It's a sign that Jeremiah hasn't been completely swallowed up by the abyss. Sometimes we may think that lament is an inherent rejection of God or reveals lack of faith or trust in God's goodness, mercy, justice, and love. But consider, if with God we are willing to take off all our masks, to stop faking being fine. If we stop going it alone, stop cleaning ourselves up, stop using only pleasant speech, and instead just open up and vent what we are feeling, right or wrong or completely over the top, that might just be a sign of the deepest faith and trust. And it may be that in giving voice to your pain, your own verse 13 may emerge. But even so, in the moment, and perhaps for many moments to follow, there is real disruption in relationship with God. The prayer of lament is the language of the painful incongruity between our lived experience and the promise of God. As one author writes, the lament prayer is full of tension and paradox. On the one hand, it signals the breakdown of previous ideas about God that have foundered on the harsh facts of experience with the result that God can seem utterly hidden and frightening. On the other hand, the prayer of lament expresses a trust in the goodness of God so profound that it continues to cry out for God in the agony of God's apparent absence and silence and looks for redemption even in the middle of God's terrible hiddenness. The author goes on to say, Paul Ricoeur light, rightly speaks of the enigma of a lament that remains caught up with an invocation. 
Sometimes one verse of invocation is all we can manage in the flow of curses and complaints to God. Today, the invitation is to trust that whatever you can manage is enough. God knows. God understands. God can take it. Try to trust that whether you can speak it or feel it, there is a verse 13. A verse 13 truth, a lifeline, a love that will never, ever let you go. There is a God who will deliver and bring you through. Thank you.